strategy, design, marketing, UX, digital, development. This is Agencies That Build. This show is dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Jesse, and I'm a marketer and an agency owner. And I'm Varun. I'm not a marketer, but a coder and an agency partner. This show is sponsored by Together We Ship. On a mission to help agencies grow. All right, rock on. We're here. Hi, Varun. How are you? Great. Just came out from my workout and I have all the endorphins going on. So I have like active mind and ready to go in. That's good. This, that's good because I'm excited to chat with this guest. We have a lot of interesting topics to cover. So I feel like you're always at the workout right before we record yeah. these episodes. So yeah. um, it's impressive. But all right, so let's get into it then. Today's guest is a marketing thought leader. He's a speaker. He spent 10 plus years developing tailored solutions for Fortune 500 companies in the wire in wireless, biotech, electronics, food and beverage industries. Uh, your, his range of experience is so diverse that Merriam-Webster is considering adding the phrase Jeremy of all trades into the dictionary. He's the business principal at Bop Designs, Jeremy Durant. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, to talk to you both today. We're excited to talk to you. So, um, and I like your, for those of you watching the YouTube version of this, you have a nice little branded thing in the corner. We should probably do that at some point <laughs> of your, your screen there. So I enjoy that. Um, all right. So we're going to start off the conversation talking about uh, what myth you would like to smash, what focus strategy you'd like to set the record straight on, what misconception you'd like to clear up. What yeah. do you got? So, you know, when my wife and I were looking to start a business, we had complementary skills. So, you know, my whole background was in business development and sales. My wife's background was more in design and marketing. And the business we were going to start was going to be a marketing agency like, you know, Bob Design has become. And we had a lot of naysayers talk to us like, hey, that's a really saturated market. It's very competitive. And are you sure you want to get into that type of business versus something else? And I always ask, what else would I do? Like my skill set, I guess for me, I could actually do something else in terms of sales and business development. But my wife's background was more in design and marketing. Um, so you really have to work back from your skill set and not worry all the time about this myth of, hey, you do not want to enter a saturated market. Uh, always work back from what your skill set is. And, you know, if it's a saturated market, fine if you're good. Typically, if it's a saturated market, there's going to be plenty of demand for what you do. That's why it's saturated. And if you can, you know, slowly but surely refine your process, gain a reputation, work with what you know and work with what you love. Don't worry all the time about the overall competitiveness or saturation of a particular market. So that's that's a myth I like to dispel that I feel that certain people when they're starting a business tend to overthink. And I, I look at it and go, hey, what are you good at? And what do you love to do? And then from there, design the business that way. And obviously you gotta make sure there is demand in a market for what you do, but don't worry too much. Typically if it's saturated, that means that there is a lot of demand in market for what you do. 
But, you know, essentially I want to dispel that myth of overthinking about the saturation of a particular market with competition. And to remind our listeners, you started the company in 2008-9, is that correct? correct. So we arose out of the Great Recession of 2008. So so what happened was we got, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to step back even further. So my wife and I got married in August 2007, went on our honeymoon. She was the marketing director at a mortgage company. The day we came back from our honeymoon, the honeymoon was literally and figuratively over because she got laid off that that next day when she got back. So that was she being in the the mortgage industry was a leading indicator uh, to what was going to be happening, you know, about a year later uh, with the, you know, Great Recession of 2008. She got another job within a week, you know, landed on her feet. But then essentially with me, I was the director of business development at a video production agency that worked with, you know, a lot of, you know, we did a lot of higher end production and it was with, you know, food and beverage, consumer electronics. But, you know, there was just at that time, you know, late 2008, there just was not a lot of demand for high end, you know, video production work. So, you know, it was you know, I, it was very humbling to me as the director of business development that they, they had to lay off the entire company. Um, you know, essentially everyone got laid off. And I got, came home and, you know, I went right into to battle mode of, okay, I got to get my resume together, got to get, you know, start applying for jobs. And, she, and my wife's like, hey, hold up. Like, we keep talking about starting our own business, starting our own agency. We have complementary skills. We're never going to do it when it's, you know, unless our back's up against the wall, when it, you know, if it's um, inconvenient because we have, you know, steady paychecks, it's going to be very hard to come home every night having a steady job and, and work on this. You're only going to do it when your back's up against the wall and that's the only choice you have. So that night we made the decision, hey, we're going to go, go forward with it. I didn't apply for any jobs. I, you know, I kind of patchworked together some consulting gigs and sales and marketing um, and teaching during that time. But yeah, we started really hit the ground running late 2008, early 2009. And, um, you know, so, you know, basically about a year and a half later, she was, you know, we were actually at one point, I was scheduling meetings and calls on her lunch breaks. She had, she had a full-time job. And she would, you know, we would do, you know, sales meetings, client meetings and calls on lunch breaks. And then finally, about a year, about a year and four months later, she came on full time. And she was actually the first full time Bop Design employee because I was still working some other consulting gigs. But yeah, so, you know, out of a very negative situation came a very positive situation. So um, interesting how you, you know, chose and took the decision about starting your own company. I wonder when you were that small, when you're starting out, right? And you had, you and your wife had some experience in the industry, but when you thought about starting a company, what was going in your mind? Like, how would you get your first customer, right? Um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, the the demand is huge, competition is huge, but still there must be something yes. that you you were thinking like you know it's at the end of the day it 
is business. You need to, yeah. you know, make more money, make, you know, and pay your costs. Um, but at that time, your time is your cost. You probably yeah. did not have any employees. It's just you. So there is, you know, um, the cost is comparatively less. But at the same time, you need to think about sales. So yeah. what was the strategy behind, you know, starting a business from sales perspective? Yeah. So this is the exact opposite of what we do now. Like we rely solely on inbound marketing for all of our leads. At the beginning, we actually had much, we had more time than money. So beauty of having more time is you're going to do more outbound, not, you know, networking, professional networking. I was doing cold calling, cold emails, things like that, where, you know, targeting specific marketing directors, primarily of small businesses in particular in the B2B space. We weren't completely dead set on B2B at that point. It was more small businesses. They just happened to be more professional services firms. So at that time, you know, now I, you know, it's a good problem to have. I actually have more money than time. But at that time I had very little money and nothing but time to go out and drum up business. So, you know, I would go to, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, and actually that, that was one of the first things we joined was uh, we started networking at the San Diego Chamber of Commerce. I would target specific marketing directors at local companies because at that time it was funny. Now we've noticed over the last, you know, 13 years that location matters less and less. People would hire you 13 years ago, 12 years ago because, oh, hey, you're down the street. I know where to find you. Now it's more about industry experience, you know, portfolio. They'll hire you from wherever. You know, location's not that that big of a deal because with Zoom, and especially in the COVID era, I think everyone's starting to see that, you know, there's really no negative, you know, even working with somebody across the, the world besides the time difference. Uh, but at the time when we were starting, yeah, so I would put together you know, I would look at the business journal, the San Diego business journal, I would look at LinkedIn and, and, and put together email lists of people that I want to schedule calls with to talk about, you know, their website. We typically would try to find companies that were established, but their web presence was poor. And, you know, so a lot of times we go to their website and, and go, hey, you know, we think there's some, you know, opportunity costs with the website you have. And we don't think, you know, this website is actually serving your business well from a lead gen and lead nurturing standpoint. And we'd like to have a conversation about it. So that's what I would do. I compile a list. Typically, you know, I compile it during the week. Um, you know, every Tuesday would send out, you know, up to 150, let's say, recipients with a targeted, you know, sp specific email. And then, and then hopefully get a couple calls scheduled for that week and then just slowly build upon that. Um, you know, over time. And then, you know, it, you know, and I spent almost every lunch out somewhere networking with other business professionals, uh, just meeting as many people as possible, because also the other thing you're looking for is referral partners, PR agencies that you can refer to and they can refer back, uh, you know, other types of advertising agencies that aren't exactly what you do or marketing consultants that don't do website design. But, you know, most of the time our, quote, gateway drug for, you know, any engagement was a website design. Typically, it's a company going through some sort of rebranding, brand refresh, and the focal point would be their website. So at that time, it was all outbound. 
now, you know, it's funny, we do no, you know, no outbound whatsoever. Like, uh, we rely solely on our website and, you know, inbound marketing tactics to, to, you know, for people to find us versus going to hit them. So. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Jesse. I was just going to say, how big are you guys currently? So 2008, yeah. 2009, you're one and a half. <laughs> yeah. Now, and now we're 15 and we actually okay. have no, really no interest in growing anymore from an employee camp standpoint. Like this is really a lifestyle business for us. So you just mm-hmm. talk, you know, you know, business owner to business owner. Like we want, we've, you know, I don't really call me not that ambitious or uh, not that aggressive, let's say, but I want to have an agency that, you know, provides a good work-life balance. Uh, we can be selective and disciplined with the types of projects we take on. Um, a lot of times when you grow, you know, especially if you're growing in a fast clip, which, you know, we've been very s- slow growth, you know, organic growth. Um, if you slow, grow at a fast clip, a lot of times, you know, you're taking on projects that, you know, are good from a revenue standpoint, but they may not even be profitable and may not even be a good, um, you know, personality fit or good expectation fit. So, yeah, so we've been averaging, you know, probably, you know, we've kind of plateaued right at the 13 to 15 over the last couple of years um, and just kind of stayed at that, you know, we, again, don't want to, you know, first off, my, you know, you know, from a, you know, being married, you know, to your business partner, you know, everything's kind of intertwined. So I'm not like, sure uh, I could ever do that, to be perfectly honest yeah. with you. So that so, alone is you know, impressive. <laughs> you never really leave work. Like, I mean, the only time you kind of leave work is when you're actually with friends, you know, with friends that you can't talk about work. Like, I mean, we talk about, you know, we don't have kids Our really our uh, Bob designs our baby. Um, you know, we, we live and breathe and talk about work all the time. And it's fun. It's not like, you know, it's not like something that we dread talking about or, you know, but, you know, we talk about, you know, our employees, our clients, uh, areas of opportunity, you know, things like that all the time. So, um, but go ahead. I was just going to jump in and ask you a little bit about growth, you know, so 15 people, there's a, you know, we know talking to agency owners and being in this world ourselves, we know there's points in that you know outside of you know you're at a point where you're you're happy I'm gonna say it I'll put it out there you're happy where you're at you're you know you've grown to a point where you're able to kind of live and provide and do what and how you want to do it for not only you but your employees getting to that point you know the struggle is real going from your one and a half people to kind of getting to that point and especially you know, 2008, what do you say, 2008, 2009, that was a funny time period that I think a lot of growth comes out of, you know, people starting businesses, it was an opportune time for you guys, you know, the past year, we've kind of gone through some similarities, I'll say hesitantly, you know, how would you, um, getting from that like one to five where would you say or even one to ten where would you say some of those sticky points are and how did you approach kind of that growth and initial yeah. growth over the past couple of years talk yeah. to us so experience there you know first off don't you know most people when they're like hey we got to start a business they stop I feel like a lot of them make the mistake of quitting all other revenue generation that they have, like any other, you know, salary, you know, compensation, you know, 
funnels that they have and just go right into the business and know that probably you may not even collect one check for three, four months, you know, in the, in the business. So like, don't quit everything else that's going on. So like, even my wife and I, like I was consulting, doing other stuff and she had a full-time job during that whole time. And then what you do, typically what we were doing at the time, and this isn't, you hire differently as you grow. So like for us at the beginning, we would find contractors, you know, 1099 contractors that we wouldn't hire W2 employees immediately. Uh, we would hire 1099 contractors that would only work for us, you know, a certain, you know, number of hours per week, and then slowly but surely bring them on um, in terms of, you know, full-time W-2 employees. Yeah. Then you get to the point of where the luxury is of, of you know, essentially, hey, I can, I can put out a formal job, uh, you know, job description and advertisement and bring on a W-2. But you know, at first that you, re you really want to focus on is variable costs as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Don't have, you know, when you have fixed costs and fixed costs, but, you know, really you want to tie in, hey, you're paying more in terms of cost because your revenue's gone up and you have more projects coming in that, you know, your contractors can take on. And then once you hit, typically the general rule has been for us that, you know, essentially you want to be at about you know, on average for an agency, and it depends on what type of agency you are, but like for a web design agency, anywhere from 150,000 to 200,000 in revenue per employee. Um, and, you know, when we, I, you know, I remember, I think our first year of BOP design, and, I, you know, I don't have this in front of me, I think it was 30,000 in revenue to 110,000 in revenue the second year, and then 300,000 the third year. So in that third year is all of a sudden where we could bring in more people. Funny and, how that happens. You know, now we're, you know, anywhere like this year will probably be 2.5 to 3 million. Um, and, you know, at around right where we should be in terms of um, employee count per, you know, revenue. But yeah, you want to look at, and it depends on your, the type of business you're in and the type of agency you are. The general rule is, you know, 150,000, 200,000 of revenue per employee is, is typically a good you know, good rule of thumb. And, you know, that's, yeah, I mean, it, there's risk. It's like even getting, you know, an office, like, you know, you talk about fixed costs, like now, of course, with COVID, you know, we're, we're paying money on a lease that, you know, is really not, you know, no one's ever here. Uh, but at the time, you know, having an office was a credibility piece. We'd actually have CEOs. I, I actually was at a CEO of a small company that Googled our office address and saw my condo. And they're like, well, wait, how, how established are you? And this is 10 plus years ago now, but that was something I'm like, man, you know, like at that time, there's a perception. If you have an office, that means you're more, you know, you're more established and you're a safer bet. Um, so having that where, you know, the first office we had, you know, was, I mean, I, you know, four or $5,000 a month in terms of rent in, in San Diego. And you're like, okay, that's 60,000 a year right there, you know, in terms yeah. of costs. So, you know, each one of those added fixed costs, um, you know, is very stressful, but yeah, you just kind of justify it of where, where you forecast revenue to be and having that rule of thumb of 150, 200,000 in terms of revenue per employee. So that number, um, I understand you are generalizing that number for per employee, but this must be different based on the type of employee you have, right? 
So Correct. how do you, in terms of percentage, how do you do the math? Like, you know, $50,000 employee should be bringing in $150,000 revenue versus $1,000, you know, $100,000 revenue. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, it's just more of a general average. Obviously, you're going to have, you know, an employee at $100,000, you're going to have an employee at $50,000, you're going to have an employee maybe at $150,000. Uh, but, you know, I just felt like that was, um, you know, we've worked and networked with other uh, agency owners, and that was kind of the number that we came up with. Now, if you're running like a Google ad shop, um, where there's more flow through revenue, or you're, um, you know, you know, different types of agency, but for a website design agency, we felt like that was a good, yeah, but you know, we have employees at all levels in terms of salary, uh, that, you know, but in general, like, you know, you bring in, you know, you, you typically want to have some sort of metric, and that was the best um, you know, that was essentially um, the best number we could come up with for that. So, so outside of independent contractors, let's talk about the next, the past year and kind of your growth. You know, in our prep call, we had some interesting conversation around, you know, I'll, I'll, that you currently have a waiting list for projects you know, yeah. which is kind of a wonderful, not kind of, is a wonderful place to be in. You know, you have a number of proposals out. Let's let's talk about kind of how you staff that. I know you guys are very, um, you've talked a little bit about your philosophy, but how did you, how did you, how did you make it through COVID? I think that's the, there's probably a better way to ask that. And I see, I know Varun's probably asked it better in the, in the past, but I'll just put it out there. You know, I think it's a, we had an interesting conversation about a, in prep about that. So I'd yeah. love to hear your story and how you guys, you know, approach hiring and what that looked like over the past year. We were very fortunate right before COVID. It was, we were probably doing the best in our business ever. Like we've never had the waiting list we had for projects. Like we had basically like eight weeks of projects lined up that, you know, essentially every day, another client, was pausing their engagement with us. And this would be, you know, more ongoing marketing, not, you know, project-based stuff. And we, you know, we were fortunate that, you know, essentially during that time we could, you know, kind of reshuffle projects around. The other problem we had is we hired, and it actually turned out to be, it worked out fine, but it was, it was stressful. Okay, so we we hired, we were hiring two project managers about four weeks before COVID hit. And I was, I actually thought I was voting for just one. I didn't want to have two because maybe it's selfishly, I, you know, the more, again, you know, the more employees we have, that means the more, you know, sales I need to make. And, you know, I'm not on the service delivery side as much. So for me, I'm kind of like, hey, oh, that means another 150 or 200,000 or whatever, you know, if you look at the average, whatever. You're doing body to math. Yeah. <laughs> so... So we're bringing in two. Okay, I'm like, oh, that, that's you know anywhere from you know 300 to 400 thousand extra revenue, and you know it was kind of a, a tug of war with my wife and I because my wife, as the creative principal, handles all of the service delivery side, and you know that makes her job easier. You know, having these project managers because we she was really doing most of the project management with another more tactician. So we did make the the decision to hire two project managers. And literally the day before, uh, basically the week before they were going to start, COVID hit. 
And I mean, they were both very worried and stressed out. They revealed after the fact, like what was going to happen on our end in terms of were they ever even going to start with us? They actually both picked up their laptops. We didn't, we actually never met them in person till this past Thursday. We actually had, you know, our first time in the office, all of us. So they met with our office manager outside the office complex with their laptop and everything they need in terms of office equipment in their car and went and started working from home. And I was at one point like, man, I, you know, you know, being, you know, the business partner and the husband, like, hey, I told you so, I, I should not have hired these people. This, you know, shouldn't have done it. We somehow pieced together, I, I think if, if, if COVID had happened, if COVID, had, I guess for me, there was a point during COVID where I had, typically I have about 20 proposals out of, out of some, you know, during 15 to 20. And then the, the goal is to get to yes or no with every you know, specific proposal. And I wasn't getting a yes or no. I was getting a, you know, a, I, I had basically five, zero, 50 proposals at at one specific time. And I just couldn't get an answer. I couldn't oh, get an answer one so way or the other. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, so I had at one point like 50 proposals out and I wasn't getting a yes, no, whatever. It was, I actually had people that would go send the contract over, we're ready to start. And I had one or two, I definitely one instance of this where that particular prospect, I never heard from again. Literally, oh, they said send over. I've never heard of that before. So it was, you kind of felt like you were in the twilight zone yeah. for a while there where nothing made sense. You were, you know, doing the same thing you were always doing. And, you know, essentially it wasn't, you know, you were doing the same thing, the tried and true thing that you were doing for a long time. And the next thing you know, it wasn't working anymore. Yeah. So it came down to, so the project managers actually worked in our favor in terms of, you know, we were, we weren't profitable for, I mean, we were neutral, you know, barely, you know, maybe taking a loss here and there. And we were fortunate. We um, got the PPP money that kind of helped. We would have been fine one way or the other, I think, but it helped in terms of the stress level. I mean, I, 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 I take no COVID and no PPP money over having, you know, getting, you know, having to deal with COVID and the PPP money. It was, you know, we would have been much more profitable without COVID. But, you know, essentially, we were about three days, three business days from possibly having to furlough everyone one day a week, um, you know, basically every Friday or every other Friday. And all of a sudden, the it was a matter of just a couple of days that, you know, essentially, I started gaining commitments and we really threaded the needle. It was, it was that, um, it was that close. And, you know, we were very fortunate. We had, you know, turns out we had no, you know, I can say to all of our, you know, or anyone that we talked to, like, I'm proud that, you know, we had no layoffs, no reduction in pay, no furloughs during the whole time of, 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 of COVID. But that's, you know, it's, um, I think, I don't really know what to attribute it to. I, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned, it, you mentioned that um, two of the product managers that you hired just came to the office for the first time. So that means you still have an office. 
which brings me to this question, are you going to keep that office? Are you going to, how's your strategy going forward about the office? And you mentioned earlier that office address is very important to you, your customers. So all of that, how does that play into going yeah, forward? Yeah, that's a great, I don't, I don't foresee us having this office beyond our lease. I, I, I mean, we have an office here that can, you know, basically accommodate 15 people and, you know, we're, I'm only requiring till the end of our lease. We still have three years on our lease, FYI. Uh, but we're going to just have, you know, first and third Thursday that we're going to all hang out and, and be together for the, and then everyone can work from home and they can come in whenever they want. But, you know, you know, they're not required to come in. And we've actually had, I actually look at having more of a telecommuting policy that's more encouraging of telecommuting. Um, that helps, I think, attract and retain employees. Um, yeah, we still want to have, you know, they can still come in when they want to, um, but, you know, they're not required to. And we've actually had, I know that there's going to be, it's going to be a competitive marketplace for employees. And, you know, I think there's going to be employers that are going to wisen up to this, in, in particular in, in certain high-priced real estate uh, areas of the country that, you know, we've had two employees that left San Diego, one's working in Idaho, one's working in San Antonio, Texas. They both telecommute because I know that once COVID was done, you know, both wanted to, you know, they, it was very expensive to live in San Diego. Yeah. It was much, you know, less expensive to, to, you know, essentially live somewhere else. I know that, you know, after COVID was done, there's going to be much more, um, you know, there's going to be companies all over the world and in particular in the US that that's going to be a big selling point for them that hey guess what I can I can have more flexibility live where I want afford a house um you know let's let's go you know let me go to that company because of that more you know positive um, you know, you know, more positive, encouraging telecommuting uh, policy. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's what we are hearing more and more from other companies as well. I'm reading about it. I'm listening that nobody is going full-time remote because that, you know, makes them like, they, that doesn't give them the competitive advantage anymore. So with that said, like if you are going to be remote and you're going to continue have your employees go remote uh, from California to Texas and to Idaho, have you thought beyond that? Meaning, you know, outside the country, have you ever considered working now? Because everyone, like earlier, it was different, but now you have been forced to do that. How has your philosophy changed about going, you know, near shore, global. offshore, yeah. global, you know? Yeah. And actually, full disclosure, we do work with, you know, on the outsource front, like development teams, uh, primarily in India, that we've worked with for five, six, seven years okay. uh, that help in terms of our development. Because the, the funny thing is the talent, the WordPress talent is superior in India over the US WordPress talent pool. And you're typically paying you know, a quarter of the price. Uh, so yeah, so we do that. But everything else, um, development's good because there's not, um, you know, it's programming and there's not, you know, cultural or language barriers uh, and time issues. Uh, so the great thing with, you know, working with a, you know, a, an agency, an outsourced web development agency in, in India is that, you know, you, you know, our day ends here and there's days just starting. So that's, you know, that's nice so that they can, 
you know, you really almost have a you know 24 hour operation, um, you know, five days a week. Um, but in terms of any other offshoring outsourcing on at least for BOP design in, in particular, because I know, you know, you get, you know, there, I get solicited daily about, you know, SEO offshoring outsourcing or at Google ads. I think there's just so many barriers in terms of, you know, language, culture. Um, I don't think that would ever make sense. So the only thing that I can look at and so we have been doing that to answer your question over the last, well, you know, five, last five to six years. And, you know, it's just basically taking that cost savings and passing that on to, uh, you know, to your client. So um, it, it's, it's funny. And it's good that you mentioned about your experience working with outsourced companies for five, seven years, because that brings me to this next question about, I mean, you're clearly seeing the advantage and those advantage advantages are about cost and quality. But I think what um, our listeners and other smaller agencies think about outsourcing is, you know, it's, it's, it's a burden, it's too much work, it adds more work than it reduces work. You must have done something differently or something that has been helping you um, you know, make sure it works for you. So maybe you can share yeah. some tips and ideas on what did you do? How did you make it work so that, you know, people can learn, some, you yeah. know, from that? All, all, you know, essentially cast the net out wide where you basically make sure that anyone you're vetting in terms of an outsourced agency, they have to jump through many hoops to even have a test project with you. So, you know, make sure they could just follow simple directions in an email, like, hey, can you send me, you know, three example websites that you've done. And sometimes I'll even put in there, even though it's not relevant on the development front, but like three B2B, you know, companies that you've, you've done work for. See if they can even understand and, and follow that direction. And then the thing after that, you know, people could talk, you know, you could talk, talk, talk. They, unless you actually see them in action, it doesn't matter. So I always pick, like, typically we'd start with like, hey, develop this landing page something very, very small and see if they can do that. Uh, then, you know, the, then you kind of, and most of the time, you know, it's something small that's not going to cost you a lot of money and, and you know, position as a pilot program and then expand from there. Because the, the problem is with, you know, interviewing or looking at work, you know, you're really not going to know, you know, if something's going to work unless you actually get into a, you know, some sort of formal engagement. The other thing is you need to, at some point, you know, you don't want to have, you want to have options. So like, you don't want to be, you know, typically you, you don't want to be resting on your laurels where you only have one or two partners that your whole, you know, your whole business is relying on. Um, typically you want to have like three, four in the, in the web development or where, whatever type of partner you have. So there's various options. There's been a problem uh, in particular in, because I, I think we now have a partner in the Philippines uh, because we have a part, you know, India right now, at least over the last month or so with COVID has been really bad. And all of a sudden you have something in particular that happens in one particular uh, country or geographic region. You know, if you have all three of your web development agencies there in India, that could be a real problem. So, um, you know, so essentially kind of balancing that out, but you've got to, you can't bring them in. And we'd actually sometimes do, like we'd even have sometimes where 
it wasn't even a real project. It was something that we had already hired another agency to do. But we're like, you know what, for a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars, let's let's try them out. We'll pay them. And and make sure that's the other big thing is like, I think people, you know, I I feel like people cheap out sometimes on on certain things where I'm like, just pay them. Like, okay, it could be a discounted rate and, and you position it that way. But typically I like to pay them whatever their going rate is. So then I know, you know, the problem is even if they say, oh, don't worry about it. You don't need to pay as much. You'll still be the top priority. No, you're not going to be like, you need to pay them whatever their going rate is, because then that's how you know you'll be treated when you pay the going rate going forward. So. Being, being from India myself, I think one of the problems I've seen and working with, you know, many people in India is their inability to say no, right? They want to say yes to everything and they want to make, you know, make sure you're happy, which is good, but then yeah. not at the cost of, you know, them losing money or them prioritizing their work yeah. or, you know, just, you know, saying for the sake of your, your happiness, like, yes, you'll be happy, we'll do what, everything for you, but that doesn't happen because in reality, that's not, they, they have only so much time, right? Yeah. So um, I, I like the, like your approach where, you know, you know, go with what they're asking so that you're happy, make sure that work is done, um, so that 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 mindset is very important. The other thing is also some people struggle with is the time difference, right? So um, in your company, how have you managed that? Um, you know, the stories that we hear from from many people, like there is always, and being in California, it's like even three hours more difference, right? So like yeah. put almost twelve hours difference. Yeah, it's mostly in the morning or evenings, but yeah. still being a company of 15 plus employees, you know, and you are at a level where you probably are not dealing with, um, you know, the, 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 the developers themselves. So do you rely on your project managers or you have somebody else who is dedicated to only work with offshore or what's your strategy and how do you deal with that? Yeah, them? so I mean, it, yeah, it tends to be more, you know, early evening, later evening type calls. Fortunately, I'm not intimately involved in a lot of that. Even the vetting of the, the particular uh, agencies, you know, they, my, our development team knows what they want. The beauty of it is actually, it's funny. That's the other big thing. Like you need to have, you know, with outsourced or offshore type, you know, any sort of task or skill that you're offshoring, you need to have people that have same type of skills internally because none of our, most of our clients, you know, if they ask, maybe 25% of our clients know that we, we offshore to, you know, things to India. It's not like we're secretive about it in any way. You know, I'm talking about it here. It's just not asked about a lot. And most of the time the client never knows because any development question is actually handled by one of our two developers in house. They are the two that, you know, essentially, you know, the, 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 the negative is, hey, you've got to be on a lot of times late night, you know, evening, early evening type calls with India. But the beauty of it is, hey, by the next morning, you have a new kind of, you know, baked out, you know, <laughs> you know, basically fully fledged out, uh, you know, project done. Um, you know, of course, with a lot of our development, we're talking three, four weeks, but a lot of times it's more on in terms of the where there's a lot more communication back and forth is with edits, revisions that are a little bit smaller, more acute problems that, you know, they have to work with. But 
good or bad, I mean, I don't have to deal with it that much, but the, the, the one positive of it is you almost, you feel you have this sense is even a small 15 person agency. You're like, man, like we're operating, you know, there's somebody's working for our clients all the time. And that, and, and you kind of, it's, you know, you almost get impressed by that where you're like, man, that's, that's really cool. Like even a small business that, you know, there's always something happening. It's a, uh kind of like the secret weapon that everybody knows about yeah you know it's a it's a good good thing to have in your back pocket I guess yep. so um you got you've talked a little bit about kind of how you got to where you are you've talked a little bit we've talked a little bit about kind of growth and some of the, yep. the you know the how you get to the next level within your organization a little bit of some of the struggle through COVID let's talk about you know your superpower as an agency, what's the thing that you guys do better than anybody else in the market at the moment? Going back to your, to your myth. Um, yeah. You know. So I would look at hope for a, I'll just say in particular, small to mid market, there's no one that I think holistically helps not, you know, from a brand perspective, a website perspective and a lead generation perspective does a good job with all of those connecting together in a one agency with keeping prices, you know, accessible. We work with enterprise companies, but, you know, the bulk of our, you know, are small to mid market. So, you know, 50 to hundred people that we're very good at, you know, holistically putting a package together that, you know, is accessible to those types of, of companies in the B2B space that, Hey, we want to rebrand ourselves you know, essentially create a, a user interface that, you know, takes into account technical SEO components like page speed, things like that. And then at the same time, you know, implement an, an on-page, off-page SEO strategy, digital marketing strategy to generate ideal client leads. I think, you know, there's, it's funny, I would say there's companies, there's agencies that do each one of those components better than us, but all together, for the price, um, I think we're a very good value. Like, um, you know, it's like the, you know, back in the day the you know, the compact stereo versus like the component system or, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm dating myself here, but like, you know, you put together a component <laughs> system and everything's gonna be better, but like the price can be higher. A lot of times they don't communicate well together or work, but they haven't worked on projects together of uh, putting together that holistic package. And at the end of the day, it's, it's all about quantity, quality of leads coming in and, you know, really utilizing, you know, we help transform our client websites into a 24 seven sales tool. I like it. The soup to nuts kind of holistic approach. Yeah. And, and we are small. So the beauty of that is that, you know, you know, sometimes you'll see agencies, a lot of times, the larger you are, this isn't always the general, you know, not always the rule, but you have more mouths to feed. There's a little bit more, you know, uh, unnecessary positions or you're kind of paying for that extra, you know, that extra human resources. And I feel like we're good at staying lean and, and, you know, we've launched now, we just launched our 400th uh, client website last week. Congratulations. So, you know, we're very great. good at, you know, getting websites start to finish and, um, and the proofs in the pudding too, like we're the number one ranked web design agency, you're number one, number two, it typically fluctuates, but number one or number two ranked web design agency in North America, according to Clutch, which, you know, 
I always call it like the Yelp for professional services firms. So we're, you know, clients are very happy with, you know, the, the types of, um, you know, the results that come out of our, you know, service delivery. So let me ask you one more question as we yeah. wrap up here. You know, as we, we've talked a little bit about past, we've talked about now, let's talk about the future. You know, yeah. what do you see in the next, as we come out of COVID, as we emerge into that, well, as we emerge into the sunshine, you guys in San yeah. Diego and tend to be in the sunshine regularly, you know, what's, what's coming? What's on the horizon? What do you, is it maintain? Is there a little growth? What are you thinking is the future for Bob to that? I think it's going to be, again, more maintain and looking inward at processes to become more efficient mm-hmm. and identify, like, I think we focused over the last, you know, 13 years really on outward of, hey, just, you know, let's, you know, we're not aggressively growing, but hey, let's grow year to year and let's find, you know, more customers, this and that. I think the good thing, and we're lucky to have this, that there's enough, enough customer flow coming in that now we can actually look more inward on how do we get projects done faster, uh, maximize value for the client in terms of what we're doing, um, and, you know, just be more profitable long-term. And, and a lot of that's going to be also, you know, looking at the types of projects we take on, like analyzing that too, like, you know, these types of projects tend to be generate more value. It's a win-win. They generate more value for the client. They generate more value for Bop Design. So yeah, I think it's going to be much more kind of stay our, you know, stay where we're at and just be more hopefully selective discipline on the types of projects we take on and then continuously looking at process improvement internally. Going to go for another Inc. 5000 award. Yes. Yeah, so this, yeah, that's uh, yes. So, yeah. so the fortunate thing, cause that's like, I think every, yeah. So I think we'll, this may be good or bad. This probably be the last year. I, we just did apply for it again. Um, hopefully we'll make it one more year, but I think after that, I think there's gonna be a little bit of a plateau, um, you know, where, you know, you hit over the, you know, cause I think you have to be 2 million to be even eligible. And then, you know, you got to go, you know, up each year. The beauty of, for us, well, it may help us even a year from now, because I think the next, you know, COVID, we were actually more, we generated more revenue in the in 2020 versus 2019, which I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure we're in the minority on. So, you know, we could be on there a couple more years, but I do anticipate, you know, we plateau off. Like for me, I, you know, I've, you know, worked with really, you know, grow, 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 aggressive growth companies. And sometimes it's gonna be a fun ride, but I think there's a lot of times it's, it's not, it's a miserable ride in some ways for the employees. And, you know, there's just a lot of volatility and, you know, a lot of, um, you know, ways to improve process. But yeah, I mean, they're growing dramatically. So that's just the nature of the beast. Like for me, I feel like we retain our employees because we're, we're never too aggressive in terms of growth. We keep, you know, we're slow and steady and, and disciplined. Well, goes back to those agency metrics. What do you care about? You know, growth can be represented in a couple of different ways, whether it's revenue growth, whether it's client-based growth, whether it's, you know, service growth. In your case, the optimization component, you've been around for long enough that you're like, okay, let's take a peek at how we're doing this and kind yeah. of optimize and refine and affect the bottom line from that perspective. Well, well, this is a great conversation. Thanks so much for chatting with us. Ruin, any other last questions for Jeremy? Otherwise, you know, Jeremy, this was... This was great. 
um, you know, where people can find you. I have your LinkedIn profile. You're on the LinkedIn. You're on the Twitter at Bop Designed SD and your company website, bopdesign.com. So thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thanks again for having me. And uh, uh, I look forward to having a conversation sometime in the future. Sounds good. And that's it, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed, uh, please tell someone about the podcast. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Find our other episodes on agencies.build.com. Plus, we're listed anywhere you find your favorite podcast.